This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Investing lesson number one: Do not pay for lessons. TD Ameritrade's education is free. Choose from articles, videos, webcasts, and more. Everything you need to take your trading to the next level. Visit tdameritrade.com/education. Member SIPC. It's Wednesday, June fifth. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today, Jason Moser. Thanks for being here. It's always a pleasure to be here. We are off tomorrow because of Fool Fest, so that you know, if you're one of the dozens of listeners, this gives you a wonderful opportunity to check out our industry-focused podcast or any of our podcasts. Sure, they're all free, and uh, check out Investing in Asia, which is our newest podcast, new weekly podcast. So we've got some earnings. And I want to talk about the Worldwide Developer Conference that Apple had earlier this week. We should probably start with GameStop because shares, holy cow, are they falling? <laughs> They're down nearly 40%. This is the video game retailer. Same store sales in the first quarter fell 10%. How bad was the rest of the report? Uh, I mean, it was because that's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't want to make light of it. I mean, it was bad. Like, I mean, it, it you know it was. Sales are down, comps are down. I mean, guidance is bad. They uh, put the dividend on hold, and that actually should be construed as a positive, really, because I mean, you don't want to see a company paying out a dividend that they can't really afford. And I think it's fair to say at this point that GameStop really uh, can't afford it. I mean, sometimes things really are as they seem, and you know, we've been watching this company play out over the last several years, in, in with a few little. Glimpses of hope along the way. I mean, the chart really is just down and to the right. I mean, it has not been a good story, and it has been because of this move towards gaming as as a as a digital distribution model. And you know, I I never I don't like referring I don't like using absolutes. I mean, I don't feel like we're at a point where. Gaming is going to be all digital, and there is no hope for GameStop, and this is just a one-way ticket to zero. Uh, but with that said, I mean, you do have to ask yourself: Is this a business in decline, or is it a business in transition? Um, I tend to think it's more of the former. We've seen them trying to to make some transitions recently. If you go back to the beginning of 2017, uh, I mean, they were trying to diversify revenue beyond gaming into the technology brand segment, and that's obviously not really paying off. Um, it, it is just it is a much different environment today in gaming, and while it's not going to be all digital, it's going to be a lot. Digital and what once was an asset for GameStop with this huge store base is now turning into really a big fat liability. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the store base because we've talked recently about the number of store closures across all manner of bricks and mortar retail so far in 2019. GameStop, according to their own website, has nearly 6,000 locations worldwide. Yeah. They re- if they're not thinking about making that dramatically smaller, they really need to. Well, and I mean, I think they are certainly. Uh, they have a new CEO in in um, the executive suite, and and I think he is 
in, in still in the process of, of assessing the whole situation because it really is, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm sure he comes in and he thinks, oh man, okay, let's let me try to get an idea of exactly how bad things are here um, because because they are not good and and I mean they definitely need to start letting some of those leases run out. Um, I, I you know I don't know that there really is a solution. I don't know that this is a company that. You know, is is around in five years, but we were saying the same thing about J.C. Penney five years ago, and and for some reason or another, the world still needs it, uh, or you know, it still has it at least. And and I suspect, I mean, gaming is the largest entertainment market opportunity. I mean, it is a phenomenal market opportunity. I have to believe there's something they can do here to pivot. Maybe a smaller business, but I think they can still exist. But it, it is no easy task. Let's move to a company that's doing a little bit better, and that's Salesforce.com. Strong first quarter report. This is the enterprise software company. They also uh, came out with full year guidance that I think was better than people expected. And Mark Benioff and his team just continue to get it done. Yeah, I mean, this is a good example of what building out a good product offering over time. can ultimately do. I mean, you you as far as a competitive advantage goes. I mean, you you build up switching costs. I think with your customers as time goes on, and it's got that subscription model where, uh, I mean, I mean they can get some visibility in, into you know how many people are paying for their services, what contracts are coming up, and 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 uh, over time when you build out a good offering, your customers it, it just costs them more. In in not not just money, but time and effort to leave and go do you know go use a competitor, uh, and, and so ultimately what we're seeing at, uh, play out here is Salesforce. I mean, when it comes to customer relationship management, I mean this is the number one uh, company by far and away. I mean their market share numbers is measured by IDC uh, based on revenue. They've got sixteen point eight percent market share. The next closest. Is Oracle at five point seven percent, and then you've got SAP. They're that much bigger than they have that much more market share than Oracle. When we're talking about a customer relationship management, I mean, this is this that's what this business does, and they just do it really well. And you know, you've got other players in there, Adobe and Microsoft, that are playing in that sandbox. But really, Salesforce is the company that is is dictating that. And when you look at we're talking about market opportunities with gaming, um, I mean, this Salesforce. Was a business built on this idea of digital commerce, of a digital economy, and by 2022, I mean industry analysts have pegged more than 60% of global GDP will be digitized. I mean, we are talking about the digital economy, the technology economy, and and Mark Benioff has built this business around that very premise, and so they have all sorts of offerings that really cater to that. And and if you are a business. And you're looking for that customer relationship management um, offer. I mean, it's really hard to beat Salesforce, and they're at the point now where they've got a lot of testimonials from a lot of customers that have really enjoyed their their services for a long period of time. Now, I think uh, you know Mark Benioff himself. I mean, he's I think we could say he's a vociferous leader. I mean, he does. He he likes to talk, and you know where he stands, and that that can be good and that can be bad. Um, I, I think, generally speaking, you know he's he's a good good person, and, and you like investing in good people, and, and I think that uh, 
you know, his track record shows what matters to him. Um, the fundamentals of this business are just so strong. I mean, the top line continues to grow at double-digit rates. I mean, we're talking 20% plus rates. It is super profitable and makes a ton of cash. I mean, it's a big company. Uh, so, you know, I mean, you probably have to ratchet back growth expectations a little bit, but I don't see any reason why they shouldn't continue winning. Were they involved a few years ago in, and I want to say it was 2015, there was that summer where there were all these rumors and reports of, I want to say, people looking to buy Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Salesforce was one of them. Salesforce and that was, was one of them. And it's not, uh, I'm going to make a comparison that's not a great comparison, so forgive me. But um, <laughs> this was not. We'll make it great. <laughs> this was not um, Netflix and Quickster. This was, oh, no, this yeah. was, this was not Reed Hastings coming out. <laughs> it was not the Quickster debacle. But it was the one point in recent memory, for me anyway, where I looked at Salesforce and Mark Benioff. And I just thought to myself, "Wait a minute, what are you thinking about doing? Are you really thinking about? Like, I don't, I don't, so, and I don't own shares of Salesforce to my detriment. Yeah, but I just, I just thought, boy, I don't, I don't think that <laughs> makes a lot of sense at all. And obviously, they did not. But. They didn't. And and I think, yeah. So I think at the end of the day, I agree with you that wasn't really a sensible acquisition for a number of reasons. And and I'm ultimately glad it didn't happen. I mean, I've always. Uh, thought I'd much rather just see Twitter live and die by its own its own decisions. Um, I, I will say I understood the sentiment, and the reason why I say that is because having used Twitter as a customer service tool in in you know I mean I, I'll, I'll use the post office as an example. Um, I mean in what seemingly is just a black hole of of nothingness when it comes to customer service and getting answers. Um, I you know Twitter made customer service extremely easy. Like you could direct message the post office and you know you get like an answer an hour later and you're you're talking with an actual person. Verizon did very much the same thing. So I think he saw the potential that existed there based on the network and. Um, a lot of the data that they already had out there with customer service interactions, um, and seeing that network as something that could be another tool that plugs into their offering. Again, I mean, they didn't do it for a lot of reasons. I think that was the smart move, but I did at least understand the sentiment. This episode of Market Foolery brought to you by TD Ameritrade. When it comes to investing, each of us does it our own unique way. Some of us want to go it alone. Others might prefer some guidance. Regardless of your style, TD Ameritrade is always creating new solutions to help you. From their award-winning technology to personalized guidance, they have everything you need to invest on your terms. Visit tdameritrade.com ytda to learn more and get started today. Member SIPC. You've been doing a lot of digging lately into the world of augmented reality and the business opportunities, investing opportunities in augmented reality. Apple had their Worldwide Developer Conference earlier this week. Anything come out of that that caught your attention? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I really don't care a whole heck of a lot typically about this conference because I'm not, you know, a big Apple guy. I mean, I've got an iPhone, but I don't use MacBooks or anything like that. But but the thing that is catching my attention more and more is uh, is the development of their augmented reality business. They have what's called the AR kit, 
which is essentially their uh, augmented reality development software. And so they're now, they just announced the third iteration, AR Kit 3, um, and that is going to uh, throw in some additional tools called Reality Kit and Reality Composer, which ultimately is just helping developers build. Even cooler augmented reality stuff, and, and and frankly, I mean Apple Apple's augmented reality platform is the biggest augmented reality platform out there for developers today. So it's it's material, and and yeah, you're right. I've been digging a lot into augmented reality and learning a lot about the market opportunity. And I think one of the biggest takeaways for me has been virtual reality is that that's the phrase that you hear people say. That just fascinates them about the future, the future of virtual reality. But really, augmented reality is where it's at. I mean, that is the big market opportunity because it's less about inventing this new universe where you can completely break from reality. In rather augmented reality, we're overlaying technology. Uh, onto our physical world and 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 making it better and more useful in all sorts of different applications from engineering to healthcare and and consumer uh, experiences. So I mean, with Apple, uh, they they've just rolled out these tools over time, and, and it's 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 the development tools that they have for for. Folks to build out these neat offerings, they're going to incorporate it into uh, their their Apple Pay uh, system, and and have they have something called Quick Look, where I think ultimately it's going to use augmented reality technology to to help. Uh, Facilitate their their payment system in some way, shape, or form. Should be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, ultimately, what this all leads to is, at some point or another, they're gonna be bringing some kind of headset or or glasses type device to market. And I think that's gonna be really interesting to see how they approach that. Uh, it may be something that initially is tethered to the phone, but I think ultimately what we're looking at is uh, something that's going to be its very own technology with its very own operating system, the ROS, Reality Operating System. Just a lot of neat things that they're doing in this AR Kit uh, 3 uh, really shows what they're capable of. You looking forward to Full Fest? I'm very, very, very looking Me forward too. to Full Fest. It's always, I, I'm, I'm always just taken back by. The positive reception and the nice people and the good that we're actually doing for I mean, you know, it's nice to see people that are like happy with the stuff that we're telling them to do. <laughs> Any time you can help people, I think that feels really good. Well, and also just the general enthusiasm for stock investing. I yeah, mean, it's something that we're fired up about, obviously, because we work here and this is what we do. But let's face it, a lot of people that you encounter in your everyday life outside of work. Your friends from college, you know, just extended family. So they're they're not necessarily as into it. Nope, and they're not. And, We're and, nerds, and that's fine. <laughs> and so it's it's always great. And uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward. You are. Um, you and I are both going to be busy the next uh, couple of days. Yeah, we've got, we're we're going to be very busy. Um, it sounds like got some main stage panels, uh, some interviews. You actually got a breakout session you're doing. Can you share just a little bit about uh, what all that sure is? Sure thing. Yeah, I, this is actually something that digs into the to the entertainment economy, and um, you know, it's it's trying to make sense of this massive market. And yeah, I mean, I mentioned gaming is being you know the biggest opportunity out there in in the world of entertainment. But I mean, when we talk about entertainment itself, a lot more than just gaming, uh, so it's it's breaking it out into ultimately four pillars of video and gaming and advertising and you know music, podcasts and events and, and trying to 
give investors exposure to this big entertainment economy uh, in such a way that you know you, you don't have to invest in fifty different companies. I mean, I try to whittle this all down ultimately into 12, 12 distinct companies that give you um, ideal exposure to a lot of the biggest opportunities in the entertainment world. And some of them are the usual suspects. Some of them are uh, you know probably names that you. Maybe wouldn't have thought of, but uh, all all things uh, told, I mean, I'm excited about the twelve names and being able to uh, deliver them to. I mean, what it sounds. This is going to be the biggest Fool Fest audience we've ever it had. It is actually, yeah. It's it's why we're having it over at the uh, the Gaylord National at uh, National Harbor. Yeah, because uh, usually we just have it right over here across the street at the. This West is this is becoming like our Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. I think. I mean, I could see in ten years. This being an even bigger event with more rabid fool fans, just you know, wanting to descend on Alexandria and Washington D.C. for one one period of time each year. I mean, I'm, I'm just always really neat to see. You think we get David and Tom Gardner up on stage and just it's like six <laughs> hours of them taking questions from people? I mean, hey, listen, you got channels. Reach out to Becky quick and see if maybe she wouldn't be interested. In, I mean, listen, the Buffett thing isn't going to last forever, right? I mean, we she she can continue that. None of us awesome skill set. None of set. us are going to last forever. <laughs> no, I reckon not. Uh, Jason Moser, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We're off tomorrow. We'll see you back here on Monday.